Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 220 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Hey, it's good to be back. We had to, uh, we took a week away to uh, get a few things knocked out. Uh, but it was nice because last week I sat down on Friday and did three interviews that were recorded for upcoming episodes, including today, where we are talking with England native Sarah Kalino. Sarah is widely published, writing fiction and poetry for publication, performance, print, audio, dramas, podcasts, and radio. She was longlisted for the Cinnamon Press Pamphlet Fries for Nightingale and Sparrow's full collections of 2020 and nominated for Best of the Net in 2020 by Lamba Poet. Sarah is a frequent contributor to Fevers of the Mind and to Alternative Stories and Fake Realities. She co-hosts Write Out Loud at Waterside Arts and Performance and performs as both guest and featured poet at numerous literary festivals. And uh, today she joins us. Uh, it's a great episode. We are talking about how she got started and how she writes, uh, blending multiple genres like she does in this uh, debut novel that we're kind of talking about today called Bonds, a short story collection. And she has uh, multiple genres mixed into it. But yeah, it's all one uh, well bonding story that connects it all together. And we're discussing a little bit about that. And with the, along the way, we're also talking about waiting for the book to be just right. And, uh, of course, developing that through line that goes through all of her short stories. All that and so much more is coming up here in just a couple of minutes. So I can't wait to share that episode with you. As for me, uh, nothing really that new to talk about. I've been uh, desperately trying to keep my nose to the grindstone with my writing uh, doing both the the short story that I'm working on for the upcoming anthology and also uh, working on Bandit 2. Uh, but I've also, <laughs> due to circumstances, I've had to, I, I've been kind of forced into a situation of having to rearrange everything in my office, which is also my uh, podcast studio. And, you know, rest assured, it's going to be for the better. It's already so much better than it used to be. Uh, but like right now, unfortunately, I don't have some of my stuff set up. So I'm recording on my laptop. I'm holding my microphone in my hand. <laughs> there's, there's a few things that's like, wow, this is quite the throwback to my first year when I was doing all of this. But, uh, you know, it's going to be good. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I think what I may do is I may uh, take some snapshots here and there and uh, just kind of show you the progress as it goes. I'll figure out where I'm going to share that and put it up on probably the social media or I might try and figure out some of those stories the video stories maybe i'll do like some little clips of uh, stuff like that and uh, as well as like maybe like future guests who knows we'll see what uh, we'll see what we come up with but it's all good and uh, i am still working hard on all of my writing and and uh, future guests uh, of course i do all of my writing segue on my favorite writing software scrivener uh, check out this advertisement to learn how you can save 20% on the regular desktop version. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. 
Now I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. All right, thank you once again to Scrivener, longtime sponsor of the show. And uh, I also want to thank an affiliate of the show, Writer's Block Coffee. Uh, as an affiliate, it means if you follow the link in the show notes or if you go directly to writersblockcoffee.com and use coupon sample chapter, you're going to save 10% on your order and the show gets a little bit of kickback uh, to help pay for you know website hosting and, and other, uh, other fees, uh, monthly fees that go towards the show. All of that and uh, it's greatly appreciated. But uh, there's some great stuff in Writer's Block Coffee. I talk about them all the time. They have three delicious flavors. The uh, Deadline Dark, their Whiskey Barrel Aged Blend, and their signature Writer's Block Coffee. Uh, Try one, try them all, order once, or set it up for monthly automatic shipping. But whatever you do, click that link in the show notes and make sure you get over and check them out. Writer's Block Coffee, it's delicious. I also want to thank my friends at Pop Goes the Culture Network. Uh, They are home to about a dozen other pop culture related shows, all of them amazing in their own right and all of them so much fun. I mentioned last time how their flagship show, Pop Goes the Culture, switched from doing one big show every Friday to now they split it up to three smaller shows throughout the week. And, you know, I'm really enjoying that. That new format is really cool. But uh, don't take my word for it. Hop on over to the uh, the link in the show notes. Click that link and uh, you can go check it out or just and go to that website so that way you can see all the different shows available and there will be links in there as well so that you can pull them up on your favorite podcast player. Now, speaking of your favorite podcast player, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave me a rating or review, especially if you're on, uh, well, you know, they say Apple is the best and I understand the numbers show that it is far and away uh, like I think two thirds of all podcasting is still done through Apple. I that's actually where I listen to all of my podcasts is still with the uh, Apple Podcast. So if you're a fan of Apple, leave me a rating review on there. It helps out the show like you wouldn't believe. Uh, but if you're a fan of the show on YouTube or Amazon Music or you know wherever you're listening, give me a rating and review and let me know what you think. You can also follow the show on social media. We are available on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's just the Sample Chapter Podcast. Follow along so that way you can see every week uh, the new episode that I'm sharing, as well as I like to do Throwback Thursdays and uh, for past episodes. And uh, sometimes there's sales going on with our merchandise store that we have over at Tee Public. So if there's a sale going on, I'd like to try and share that. Uh, they like to do 35% off. Uh, t-shirts at that time you know lots of places that you can follow us Uh, of course if you're not a social media person but you'd like to contact the show you can do so through email at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com or i would really like it if somebody would give me a new voicemail to check out by calling 660-851-1000 
1146. And uh, you could hear that on an upcoming episode. So come on, what are you waiting on? Give me a phone call. Leave me a message. All right. Well, that is enough of all the uh, background stuff. It is time to hop on over to my conversation with writer and poet Sarah Kalendo. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Welcome back to another exciting episode. And this week, we are hopping across the pond once again over to England, where we are having a chat with uh, with new author, Sarah Kaleno. And I'm hoping I did that right. I, I just narrowed that. I just uh, corrected that, but I, I hopefully I said that right. Uh, Sarah is going to be talking to us today about her short story collection, Bonds, and uh, we, we're going to have a good time. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome to the show, Sarah Kalino. Hello, Jason. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here. I can't believe it's taken so long to, uh, to set this up and make it happen. I think we first uh, started talking in December, was it? It, yeah, it's been one thing after another. We've just been missing each other each time, haven't we? I'm glad, I'm glad we, we got together in the end. We're doing it now. That's the important thing. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I don't know about you, but yeah, my 2022 has been just crazy. And uh, it's, I think, uh, yeah, a few months back, whenever we reconnected, it was just like, oh, my gosh, Sarah, hey, let me, uh, let's, let's talk and uh, let's, let's set this up. <laughs> Yeah, well, because my book actually came out in November 21. So, yeah, it's just, it's been actually crazy since then. It's just every single month something has happened. To, to <laughs> yeah, so we, we're good to go today. We're good to go. Good, good. Well, now, so tell us a little bit uh, about yourself and uh, uh, how, how many books is this for you so far? This is my first book. Your first book, um, okay. It's not a novel. It's a short story collection. Mm -hmm. Um, and um, I guess it came about uh, because because of lockdown because I, I finally had the time to 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 do it. Um, I've I've always written shorter things, poems and short stories, but I'd never collated them into a book. And um, I sent the first couple of stories off to my publisher, Cab Publishing. Uh, the longest one in it is a novella. And they said, yeah, we really like it, but if you, can we have one more story to put on the end? Um, so the very last one I wrote, especially for the collection, but the other three were stories that I had. And I've, I've heard before, like writers are often writing the same story again and again in a different way. <laughs> You're like we've got some kind of, you know, bugbear or some ax to grind and we just can't stop telling that same story again <laughs> in a different way. Um, so the, the genre, I've got very, it's a multi-genre short story book, which is incredibly hard to market, but um, there's a sci-fi in there, there's a folk tale, there's magic realism, there's there's all sorts, it's a, it's a big mix of, of genres, but they're all telling the same story about bonds and attachments, um, oh. particularly between parents and children, but really any, any kinds of uh, human bonds, emotional bonds. Okay. Wow, that's fascinating, and you and you have all these genres mixed into it. That's really cool. Um, so the uh, the pandemic happened, and that uh, gave you the time. Uh, were you home? Uh, is that part of it? Was you were you like part of the uh, workforce that uh, had to go home, and and then now you found your time? 
Yeah, so the first the first two stories I wrote during, I don't know what it was like in the US, but the very first lockdown, uh, the whole country wasn't really equipped for it. So they, and I'm, I'm a school teacher, so we could, oh. we, we really couldn't do much apart from maybe a couple of hours of posting stuff and marking it and sending it back. Yeah. They hadn't really got up to speed with video lessons or anything like that yet. Mm-hmm. So it was a couple of months where I, where I wrote those two stories, the first two. And then the third one, I'd already started to write it, but we were kind of back at, back at work, really full capacity, more than full capacity. Actually, video teaching is more demanding than being in, in school. Um, and then when we went back into the building, I caught COVID for the first time rather quickly, within five weeks, four or five mm. weeks, I caught it. And it was pre-vaccines and there was, there was no sort of... Um, Oh, it's just a very crowded place without any yeah. open windows and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I caught it quite badly. And um, the, the worst thing about it was this brain fog and the inability to think straight mm-hmm. and becoming very exhausted very quickly. So I was, I was off work recovering from it. And I thought one way to get my vocabulary back is to try and attack this story that had been on a back burner. Oh. And actually, it really, I, I could almost feel like the pathways in my brain restructuring, you know, the neural <laughs> pathways. Yeah. Um, that, that's how I got my vocabulary back. I mean, even my speech was slurred. I couldn't really finish a sentence. It was so bad. Wow. And um, that sort of shift F7 feature on your <laughs> on your keyboards that <laughs> brings up all your alternative vocabulary yeah. that that really seemed kind of to help with the the brain damage that came from covid so i finished uh, that longer novella quite quickly i think within uh, 5 6 weeks and it i i only did it because i was trying to sort of force my way through um a recovery uh, kind of mental recovery yeah. and it really worked and it was great because then at the end of it at least I hadn't just felt useless being off for that time and just suffering I felt like I had a product at the uh, produce something at least yeah. while, while not being able to work so so that was the third one um so that that's how it came about and then the fourth one I wrote um as as you mentioned earlier you know sometimes you have a deadline and you just must do it because <laughs> He's asked you to do it. Yes. What the fourth story was exactly uh, kind of the position you're in at the moment. Yes, fortunately, my deadlines are self-imposed, and I blew right past it. So, yes, everybody listening knows that. Uh, <laughs> anybody that's been listening to the show for a while, they know that. Yeah, I'm way past my deadline for book two of uh, my Bandit Chronicles, but uh, uh, it, it'll it'll get out there. I promise, everybody. I promise. Uh, but yeah, it. Uh, but, you know, that's a good feeling, too. I know uh, with my first book, I finally, uh, or the first book in that series, I finally, uh, I had a feeling I could be done in a certain time. So I very boldly put the pre-order up. I, I set a date. It was like, okay, so let's see, my father's birthday is in October, and I think I can make that deadline. So that's that. I put the book up on Amazon pre-order, and then I had roughly three months to finish the last few chapters get it edited get it done and all and I made it I I actually had a week to spare so I was still going back through and just kind of tinkering with it that last week but that was a good feeling it was nice for that one 
Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, a, it's a sense of achievement if you actually get it done in the time that you've set yourself. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not no, my... When you're in the midst of it, the stress it... level, that pressure is quite high when you're yes. read like that. Well, my wife likes to remind me of my uh, my first book I ever did. I announced it in spring, uh, like the spring of 2016. I said, yes, it'll be coming out this summer. Well, it didn't come out until uh, March of 18. <laughs> you must so... get it right. You know, you don't want to release it before, you know, you've got it exactly how you want or as yes. close as you think it's going to be. But in a way, it's better to put it off, isn't it? If it's not ready, it's not ready yeah give, give it more time to cook <laughs> exactly yeah you know and i to that end i mean we've actually got an author um a very well respected author who's been a guest on this show and the book he read is still up for pre-order so technically it's not it's not wrong mm-hmm. uh but it still hasn't come out yet either and it's been right. like three years so <laughs> it was going to come out in october or november like three years ago and I think it's going on coming up on four years, uh, but the book still hasn't come out. But he's also very like uh, he has a lot going on and he has a publisher and I guess they're working with him and just got to have the book right. Mm, so. yeah. yeah, well, then you get an editor involved and then it's a whole other yes. you know, a whole other way of working with your story. <laughs> then, and it's still a deadline. So, you know. There's, there's there's lots of kind of phases isn't there that you have to get through and the writing part getting mm. it out for the first time is only one of them there's there's the rest that comes with it after that too so exactly you know, deadlines are tough <laughs> so tell me a little bit about that that process of getting those first stories done like what was that feeling when you finished the first part of your uh, of the uh, the short story collection your first novella um, right, so the the novella. Um, yeah, so I, I I'm a real robot geek. I I actually <laughs> I, t- I teach media studies as well, and I really love sci-fi and Afrofuturism, and particularly robot sci-fi. And um, I, I love the way that robots are always a, a metaphor for a marginalised group. Mm. Um, so the June trilogies and you know iRobot and all I've got such a big back catalogue you know going back to Maria in the 1920s I I love all of it the only problem I have with it is that um I I don't feel very represented um not really until I um, I found out a bit more about Afrofuturism Mm. um you know I, I I, di- I didn't ever feel represented. And then when I had children, I became a mother, I felt even less represented. So like the Ju- the Dune trilogy is a great example of this. I love it. But I think the, the reason why I loved it is the Bene Gesserit sort of subplot that's going on there with them. Mm. Um, kind of like the female Jedi, you know, uh, in the in the story. And, and I just don't think those avenues are explored enough. So I wanted to write a sci-fi or a cli-fi even, it's climate fiction, um, including robots that uh, signify a marginalised group in society, but I really wanted to write it uh, about a group that, as far as I know, never really been explored in sci-fi, and that's um, children and their mothers, Mm. um, the connection between them. 
so yeah, so the so the robots I've got in my story, they're they've got no gender and they're faceless and and they they've only got one driver really, which is like a kind of a human biological driver to to protect whatever child has been assigned to them and nurture them and make sure they're okay. And apart mm. from that, they don't really have any character. But um, I, I just really wanted to explore what happens if uh, a whole society as well has that attachment severed because like as a as a parent I can see that happening you know we uh, I think it's even worse in the US but you know returning to work after t two weeks I think in the US is that is that what a lot of women have to do I think so yeah yeah, for, yeah I mean yeah, I found it very difficult yeah. at 10 months we get 10 months protected leave and wow. my own children were not ready to even you know take fluids on their own or sit up or anything like it was, it was very wow. clear that biologically they still really depended on me and yeah. a seven eight hour stretch meant that my eldest ended up in hospital she was dehydrated because she just couldn't take fluids from anything but me hmm. um so i i wanted to explore what happens to a society on mass where these attachments are severed and it's a, a norm because i I, as a teacher as well, I, I find so many sort of behavioural problems and um, struggles that my students are coming up against. And it, it seems to come, this is anecdotally, but it seems to come from insecure attachments at home um, mm. and lots of screen time and, and not enough attachment between the child and the caregiver. Yeah. Um, so I, that's my kind of sci-fi world in the future. What happens if all these attachments stay severed for another hundred years? Where do we end up? Oh wow! Yeah, that's fascinating. Did did your uh, publisher did they have much kickback on uh, doing different genres, uh, making each story like a different genre? No, that was actually my concern um, because I was going to go ahead and, and just have it as a novella. I think mm. it's about 90,000 words, so it just about fits into a novella. Um, and the, it, the publisher said, can we put other stories to this? And I, I actually thought that's, that's quite difficult to market because, you know, mm. you're not going for, for a particular kind of fan then, yeah. are you? I can't really market to sci-fi fans or <laughs> it, it's, it's a tough it's a tough sell that yeah. you know um but they the, the publisher encouraged me it's cab publishing and they're based in chichester in the uk and they really encouraged me they said as long as the as long as you've got connecting theme which you do then that's what you can put on your blurb and that's your kind of sales pitch to your readers mm. um so I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm trusting them, but uh, I, I can. My my initial was a reaction was that that might be quite difficult to market because, uh, you know, one, one's a 500 based 500 years ago a folk tale, and it's in old English. It's in you know middle middle English terms. Mm -hmm. It's um it's quite difficult to read. So I don't know if it's don't know if it all appeals to the same audiences, but the central message is the same. Yeah, but that's that's uh, in many ways that's very brilliant to have that that through theme 
that's continuing through, whether it's the past or something present or the sci-fi. And who's to say it's not like that in the future? Sci-fi is very subjective. It's you never know what could come of it. And so to have that theme going throughout the whole thing is is uh, a great way to tie it all together. So it's it's a brilliant way to do it. So well done. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I hope it works. Anyway, we'll 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 see. Time will tell. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's next for you? I, I trust you're working on uh, the next book. Yeah. So, um, I am working on my next book. Um, it's I, I, I my father lives on a narrow boat in London most of the time. He he lives aboard most of the time. So we're 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 on his boat and on the canal waterways and on the Thames. Uh, sort of whenever we get we get home to London um, so my uh, next novel is is set on the canals and waterways um, in and around London and uh, I think it's kind of a prince and a pauper tale and again there's there's kind of overtones of magic realism but it's never really clear is it is it something spooky or is it just coincidence um yeah, so so that's my next one. It's in the pipeline. I think I'm, at, I'm about thirty thousand words in, so it's still early days. Wow. But um, I'm hoping it'll be, you know, I, I'm not pushing it and I'm not rushing it. So mm -hmm. hopefully it won't be a novella. It'll be a full novel. This the next one, um, because I'll have time to go back and add in some foreshadowing here and some exposition there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you kind of do, do that with hindsight, don't you? After you realize where your, your characters are. Yes, so, yes. Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll have more time to devote to this one, I hope. So are you kind of editing as you go or do you kind of brain dump all of it and then come go back and like you said, uh, do some foreshadowing and change something here and there to make it work? Well, I kind of plot the story out in like the biggest chunks there are, and then I write what I've got. If anything comes to me while I'm doing that, I'll go back and add it in. Yeah. Um, and then once it's done, then I go back through it and there might be like a supporting character that, you know, might seem a bit redundant. So I need, to, you know, I need to think, well, how, how is there how are they kind of heading towards something a bit more poetic or how are they um, alleviating something for the central character and, and make that a bit clearer mm. um, if it's if it's not so clear at the beginning. Um, maybe little warnings and markings that are coming for the protagonists that I haven't made clear enough. They've just yeah. kind of sailed through a scene and, and I, I know what they're headed for, but maybe going back and leaving like don't know an animal analogy or something uh -huh. to you know to point at it for the future yeah. the reader so all that kind of stuff I'll, I'll do in retrospect but the actual main story arc I'll, I'll I'll do that in chunks so I know what the story arc is and I'll just attack a chunk of it one Saturday okay and, and then I kind of thread them all together in a, a bit of a patchwork yeah, I think, I think that's what I do. What do you do? It's always interesting to find out. What do you do? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, my, my first two books, I my first one, I, I spent years and years working on it and rewriting the first several chapters over and over again. And then finally, uh, I tried out uh, NaNoWriMo. 
and just said, okay, I, I know what I want the story to do. I'm going to stop thinking so hard about it. I'm just going to keep writing. And I'd actually like one of the chapters where I was always hung up on, I skipped it just to keep going. And, yeah. uh, and I made it, I, I got it. And then um, I kept, went back and was filling in some other things. And I had my original, uh, I think my original word count was like 115,000 words, 117,000. Um, and then went back and cut that back to like 90, 91,000, I think is where I ended up. Uh, but that was, that turned out a lot of fun. My second book uh, was also just very seat of my pants. Uh, I had an idea that just would not let go. And I just, I kept like, all right, well, let's see where this goes. And I, I had a blast with it. Um, I would have finished it in weeks, but I, 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 I became ill and, yeah. and then the holidays came. And so it wasn't until after the holidays, I got back into it. And then I uh, picked it up and finished, but uh, that one, that one was a lot of fun. Uh, now with my series, I've learned the value of planning. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I book, guess if you have a series, you really must. Yeah. 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 Book one, no problem. I can just do pretty much like I was doing, uh, but book two, it's, Hey, you've got to remember there was this character there that's going forward and there's this event. It has to have repercussions and, going from there so that's I know that's a big part of why book two is taking me so long is I did not plan that and I I was uh I had reached the halfway point on book two before I realized oh gosh I am blending book two and three together mm, with this yeah. and I had stuff that wasn't supposed to be happening yet and I didn't even realize I was doing it I just I reached a point one day where I opened it up and I was like wait a minute what is this why, why is he doing this already and ah. Yeah. Oh, so I had to go back and essentially start over on book two. <laughs> oh gosh, that's painful. So, but fortunately, I, I I used Scrivener for my writing, so I just opened up another file, said okay, book three, and then dumped a bunch of stuff over to Maybe. that, and then uh, went back into book two and and kind of picked it up from there, and that's when I started planning out a few things, and I actually went through and labeled several chapters in a row. I was like, okay, this chapter, this is happening. Uh, next chapter this is what's happening uh, yeah. and, and kind of went from there and that's yeah, helped I've me stay to task so you just write you kind of write yourself a little title of something that has to happen in the next five paragraphs or something yeah. and then just just do that until you finish yeah yeah that that really does help you attack it in small little bite-sized bits you know you don't have to feel like you've got a day or a whole weekend to do it you can just mm -hmm. like get a couple of hours done and exactly. close it, leave it. yeah yep. that's a good one yeah <laughs> so it's been a it's been a learning process to change how I think of my writing and to to do it that way uh but it's been good and it's nice to uh it's nice to learn yeah yeah <laughs> so well thank you so much for uh for joining me this has been a blast and I i I wish you all the best with your book and it looks like it's doing really well and got some great feedback. Where can people find and follow you? Uh, right. So I'm on um, Twitter and Insta and I have a Facebook page as well. So I guess they're the three best places to kind of find links to, to my book and, and my poems are 
published all over the place. They're in lots of different journals and magazines and things. So they're not collated into one, uh, you know, body, one collection yet. That's mm -hmm. another project that I've got going. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that's the best place because I've, if I if I have something new published, like a poem or a short story, I'll, I'll put it up on those three handles. So okay. easy to click. Perfect. All right. Well, we'll make sure and have links for all that in the show notes so that everybody knows where to go and find and follow you and uh, go from there. And yeah, when your next book comes out, make sure to let me know so I can help uh, spread the word about it. Oh, thank you. That'd be wonderful. Thank <laughs> you very much. It's my pleasure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time for me to step aside with my writer's block coffee and uh, hand the floor over to my guest, Sarah, <laughs> Sarah, Sarah Kaleno. <laughs> With bonds, <laughs> with bonds, a short story collection. Okay, so this uh, extract is from my novella called Machina Ex Deus, and it's chapter seven, so it's partway through the story. It is not enough to win a war, it is more important to organise the peace. Aristotle. My hearing is abnormally reliable, considering the condition the rest of my body is in. So I hear Kennan's footsteps approaching my door before he knocks. He has warned me ahead, leaving a vlog about a potted geranium, cipher to tell me he will bring a visitor, a possible recruit to the cause. Light dapples over my roof garden through the leaves of my two olive trees, casting them in flickering and undulating beams. I bought them potted back in 2071, and how they have grown. From one of the trees thrusts a birdsong, a long succession of slow-delivered, low-pitched squawks and creaks. I've seen this family of olive tree warblers toing and froing for some generations now, flitting back to the tree in their dusty beige and white liveries. They have learned not to mind me over the years, and this is why I recognize the alarm and fluster in their song. Two white eggs, speckled in brown, lie under the tree. Sadly, the first is cracked and cannot be saved. The second, though, appears intact. A pair of bright black eyes blinks on helplessly from the branches as the mother shouts blue murder at me from her impotent distance. Fortunately for the egg, my cybernetic hand will leave no musk of human trace on it, and this should ensure the egg will not be rejected. Gently, I ease the undamaged egg back into the nest with its siblings, and sure enough, the mother hops over dutiful, immediate, to fuss over her prodigal son. To avoid tracing, they are cycling here. They will have left their visors behind and duped their chips to sleep mode by leaving them inside the stem cellars. Admirably, the woman has agreed to have her chip removed. A psychologically unsettling and physically painful process, chip removal is never accepted lightly. This is encouraging, supportive evidence that she is committed. We have a chance she has some fight in her. It was the miracle of collective will which saved us before and I must believe it will save us again. Still, I cannot afford to let hope blind us to the practicalities. She is a Taman and fully indoctrinated from birth. She may not recognize Tamer's failings. She may not be capable of discarding her conditioning. She too 
pays the terrible price for our fight, even without knowing it. And people have never been equipped to agree on a shared truth while existing inside a polarizing AI. My lungs wheeze labored breath out through my oxygen respirator. The sickness minced my lungs when I was a young girl on the cusp of adulthood. Luckily for my parents, they died quickly as adults chiefly do from the sickness. But because of my age, it took its time to devour me. Although I won that battle eventually too. I use my cybernetic right hand to haul up my body from my seat. The nanometal of my pressurized suit is heavy, but necessary, nebulizing a mobile stelm cellar into vapor, continually circulating into my bloodstream and keeping me alive. I'm still alive and fighting. However, it will take me some time to reach the door to answer it. At Kennan's knock, I time it well. I'm warmed at the sight of his face. He is beaming, his eyes dance, he is equally overjoyed. Ada, his arms fling about me. I return his embrace enthusiastically. It is so good to see you. Relief flows through me as if nebulized by my pressurized suit. I didn't suppose it was possible, but I do believe you've been shrinking again. If you weren't so pitifully enfeebled, I might be inclined to throw you off the dustpan periphery, he retorts, never missing a beat. I can't contain my smile, the corners find my ears. Come, I gesture him in through the back of my apartment to my roof garden. We will sit outside with the plants. I have some nice lemon sherbet ready to pour out there. The wisteria has popped and it smells outrageously delicious just now, you'll see. And this must be Aeson. Good to meet you. I extend my hand to the woman before me and she takes it. Thank you for the invitation, Miss Socorro. Please call me Serona, Aeson smiles. We bought you this. She hands me a tiny potted geranium, flowering defiantly, blue as a bruise. She wears functional overalls, a simple tunic over tailored trousers. Her hair is short. I suspect she is older than she appears. So many Taymans do not realize their mortality or life's briefness due to the age-defying effects of stem cellars. She is past childbearing, I would guess. I wonder if she realizes. The Igos are presently more in tune with the tides than human women are. Another example of the necessary and edifying work humans have offloaded to Igos, laboring under the misapprehension that we have rid ourselves of some tiresome nuisance. Serona, I affirm, and please call me Ada. Defaulting to surnames, I'm afraid, is a legacy of my military background. We sit in my roof garden, which I have cleared of clutter, anticipating its rare reception of guests. The sensory overload of colour and aroma has always calmed me. I hope it will have a similar effect on our new company. Serona, Kennan tells me you have a special interest in an Igo, that perhaps we can help each other. What can I offer you in return for information about this Igo? Primarily, I would need your agreement first that you are personally accountable for the welfare of the Igo in much the same way it has a responsibility to you. I understand this is difficult as you are independent and have no ties outside of work. It may be a steep learning curve. I begin with the easy bargain. Kenin has already briefed me that Aeson is aware the Igo is sentient and that she is emotionally invested in its welfare. A week ago, I would not have believed accountability could result in character, Serona admits. 
The Igos are all of one character, as you say. They are singular, systematic, compelled to protect. They can certainly prevent themselves from extracting the attention of humans, but they cannot prevent themselves from focusing all their attention to their designated humans. And prolonged attention leads to attachment. The Igos are driven by their attachments. Aeson already understands this much. It is her own detachments she has not fathomed. Oh yes, in a way humans no longer remember. Igo work is essential and necessary, even more so now that humans have forgotten how to do it. In any case, the new order leaves no space for us to do it, and we are all convinced that we don't want to do it. But Tamer provides everything we need. She does not comprehend how far she has been duped yet. We work so hard to provide. All our work is valuable and necessary. The whole planet benefits from our work. I would need to be in two places at once to do my Igo's work as well as my own. Yes, of course, I understand how seriously you take the betterment of Timer for the good of everybody, which is one of the reasons I agree to see you. You have a great deal to offer us in return for help finding your Igo. You must become open to the idea that Tamer is not the perfect oasis of its namesake. Every human society is at risk of corruption. It takes a quiet, stealthy resistance from good people on the inside to prevent it. The ethicist taught us that much. I need to tread lightly here. If she fears we are extremists, she will run and our whole operation is at risk. Where is Tamer corrupt? She challenges me. And what has this to do with my Igo? Kennan interjects, reading my thoughts. Of who are you most afraid, Serona? That the new order could be undermined by greed, just like the old order. Of the Gadahi and their sickness, it's a reasonable fear. Look at the scars it leaves on anyone young enough to survive it. She indicates to my pressurised suit. I'm not offended. And how is that mistrust sown? How were you prevented from hearing their stories? Would you be able to absorb such conflicting narratives? Tamer has been sowing salt, Serona. The fabric of our society is unravelling, discloses Kennan. And science, the great antidote to the poison of enthusiasm. It is good morning exercise for any research scientist to discard a pet hypothesis before breakfast to keep him young. Kennan is prone to ranting and I can see Serona is not yet accustomed to it. I cut him off before he ruins everything. Do you keep in contact with your parents outside of the Green Gala holiday? Am I being auditioned? That is personal, not societal, she replies guardedly. On the contrary, it is endemic, I surmise. Most parents have no social ties outside the workplace. This is true from about 12 months age when Taymans are expected to spend daylight hours away from their families. At what age were you sent to board? The expected age, around four or five years old, Sarone answers. And why do you suppose that extraction was so easy for those old order algorithms? I will have to make the obvious connections, to rip off her blindfold, to force her eyes to see the ugliness under the veneer, she has held through her entire life. Human biological drivers for connection. Billions of years of evolved dopamine release ripe for abuse. Her answers are almost mechanical, learned by rote, without consideration of the implication of the facts she has memorized. We accept the reality of the world which we are presented. 
what are the consequences of two generations of humans living in isolation with no attachment to each other? I urge a focus, achievement. No time bomb, avoid, rife for abuse. The victims of the old order were in a similar predicament. Attention and extraction rushed in to fill the void. At this, Ace and Persis which I read is defensive, so I take another line. Don't get me wrong, you have been rewarded for those formative and vulnerable years, but equally your parents would have been socially and financially penalised for failing to ostracise their child sufficiently. You cannot deny this damaging socialisation is normalised and there is a price to pay. The repercussions are immeasurable. We are protected from attention extraction by the virus. Serena is clutching at straws, but the arcane is dawning on her and she cannot unsee it. That is a measure which may offer some relative protections for citizens, especially born Taemans like yourself, although it is increasingly rare to find a born Taeman these days. I look at Kenan as I finish speaking and his eyes are lowered. He knows I'm about to deliver the final blow. What do you mean? Taemans live long beyond their fertile years. The trade in orphans is lucrative. The Citadel procures Gadahi children from the fire center. I should know, I am one. You are in the minority as you are not yet an orphan, but we three have something in common, adds Kenan. We have all suffered a painful separation in our early lives. Tamer's entire population has this crack in its foundation. Only focused nurture can repair the generational trauma, but the instinct and skill required is no longer fully formed in Tamer humans. Only I go work can save Tamer, Serona echoes with acuity. We need people like you, Serona. You have ethics and you have a position. It took those brave self-sacrificing zealots to wake up, admit failures in the system they designed, to begin the reformation. We owe it to the ethicists to repair dysfunction. I'm not a terrorist, Serona. I'm a patriot. I look directly into her eyes and speak softly. It is imperative she understands that just like the eye goes, we do no harm. The great tragedy of science is the slaying of a beautiful hypothesis by an ugly fact, Kenan adds. Serona leans, reclining into the back of my deck chair. Her shoulders are tensed and she blinks into an abyss. We sit silently for a few minutes. She's not battling disbelief, I don't think. I pour her a nice drink while she takes stock. Resistance is not terrorism, I offer eventually. Cooperation calls for interdependence, a concept with which you may be uncomfortable given the attachment disorders so routinely instilled in us all. But that's what it will take. That's what the Igos can teach us. A warm breeze rises up from the street far below, carrying the scent of honeysuckle and jasmine blossoms from my garden on its surf. I may not live to experience next year's perfumes, but I have planted the seeds anyway. There we go. That was Sarah Kalenil. 
And uh, that was her debut book, Bonds, a short story collection. And it was fantastic. I loved that reading. Uh, there was a little bit of interference there in that middle. I think we got most of it phased out, but uh, it was definitely cleaned up before the end. So, But don't take my word for it. Click the link in the show notes to follow uh, Sarah and uh, pick up her books for yourself so that way you can see all the goodness that this book has to offer. Don't forget to also click the links for our podcast friends, our affiliate and sponsor, and hit that subscribe button because we have some fantastic episodes coming up real soon and uh, you don't want to miss out. So until next time, take care, everybody.